Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins hockey talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a patreon member to be eligible for weekly boston hockey prizes and monthly boston bruins hand signed jersey giveaways please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just one dollar per episode many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Allred. This is episode 270, sponsored by betonline.ag. I'm here with my fellow co-host, Kevin O'Keefe. Kevin, what's up? Not much, man. It's uh, snowing here in Massachusetts. We got a nice March snowy day going on, and um, I think the brightness might be getting to Dom because he's wearing some awesome glasses right now. And <laughs> A nice segue as usual for for the for Dom Tiano. Dom, thank you so much for joining us again. I know you're. I know it's hard to to get away from us, but let me tell you something. We truly appreciate you sticking around and hanging around. So um, much obliged for that, and um, hopefully everything goes well with you, sir. 
oh, everything's great. It's a beautiful spring day here. No snow. I just want to say, Kevin, I can Athena see you. <laughs> and now you can Athena see me. Oh my God. That's... <laughs> Why do we bring him on? <laughs> Listen, we want to keep him. Don't don't talk like that. <laughs> True. I'm sorry, Dom. Your glasses are great. And your joke was fantastic. Thank you. That's awesome. All right. We are back for another week of Boston Bruins Hockey Talk. We do have a nice little agenda going on here. Well done by Kevin. And um, and I, I added a couple. It's been really busy uh, the past couple of days. But we do have a lot of stuff to talk about. It's like under two weeks to go to the trade deadline. So, um, before we get into all that jazz, let's hear about show sponsor betonline.ag. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full stream for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, betonline.ag is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to get started. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.ag is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage, which is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, betonline.ag is your number one online wagering destination. Betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. Betonline.ag, it's where the game starts. And betonline.ag, let me tell you, those guys are fantastic. My go-to for placing my wages on hockey and baseball in the summertime and golf and all that stuff. It's a really fantastic spot to go for all your betting needs. And don't forget to use that coach CLNS50 because it really helps our program out. And, um, you know, we need to pay the bills. So help us pay the bills. Um, let's get right into it. We, uh, we do have a good podcast uh, planned out today. Um, why don't we start? Uh, talk about last week's games. Uh, we do have three of them that we need to talk about. On Thursday, March 3rd, 2022, the Boston Bruins were at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, to play the Golden Knights. This was the second and final time the Bruins played the Knights, uh, at least for the regular season. The last three, the last time these two teams played this season goes back to December 14th of 2021 at the TD Garden when the visiting Vegas team beat the Bruins four to one. Uh, the only Bruins goal of the first period uh, against the host Golden Knights was courtesy of forward Craig Smith, who scored his seventh of the season with assists going to forward Trent Frederick and defenseman uh, Derek Forbert at the 13-18 mark. In the second period, forward Craig Smith would score his second of the game and eighth of the season at the 11-03 mark, assisted by forward Charlie Coyle and Trent Frederick. In the third period, Bruins forward David Pasternak, hashtag Pasternasty, would score his 30th goal of the season and give the Bruins club a 3-1 lead at the 8-14 mark, assisted by forwards Trent Frederick and Eric Haller. That's Pasternak's fifth career 30-goal season. At the 14-39 mark of the third period, Beast forward Craig Smith would give the Bruins a 4-1 lead 
and his hat trick goal assisted by defenseman Matt Grizzlick and Brandon Carlo. That was Smitty's ninth goal of the season and third career Hattie and really good to see him producing again. The final goal, the final Bruins goal of the night came via an empty netter at the 1820 mark of the, uh, from the stick of David Pasternak, who scored his second of the game and 31st of the season. The lone helper uh, came from forward Eric Haller. Bruins goaltender Jeremy Swayman got the victory, stopping 34-36 for his 14th victory of the season and fifth straight win. Not a bad game, guys, as you had uh, – as uh, Smitty had a Hattie, Pasta with two goals, Freddie with three assists, and Hollow with two helpers. Quick thoughts on this game. Start it off, Kevin. Um, yeah, I mean, first off, an empty net goal. <clears throat> Who did they pay to get that one? Because uh, <laughs> they have a tough yeah. time getting those. Um, but, no, impressive game. Very impressive game from uh, top to bottom. I think um, that bottom six – is really showing up, especially that third line. The way I like to think of the bottom six is kind of like if you were to have a song, the backbone of that song is usually the bass and the drums. Well, that's what this is for this team. They're the bass and the drums for this team. They just really know how to set the tone and really get a message sent. And it's really great to see. I mean, Craig Smith, uh, my God, he just absolutely unloaded after going on a, really long drought uh, of not scoring anything and gets a hat trick and the floodgates really opened. Absolutely. Dom, what are your thoughts? Yeah. You guys have an agenda to work off. So I'm going off the top of my head. You never share, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, agree. We, I mean, we talked about it last week with uh, Craig Smith when we said, you know, when he gets that first one, the floodgates were going to open and, and here we are. Um, but it's not so much the goals. It's, the work and the effort that have been there the whole time, even throughout the drought, which made everything more impressive. Uh, I mean, we can go over the next two games after that too, but even his, his goal, uh, LA was just a, a thing of sheer work and determination. Right. So, um, but as Kevin said, you know, it, it, the bottom six are doing what they're supposed to do. And, you know, I look to the first line now, and I don't know. I I think for them, they're still putting up points, but they're snake bitten, really, compared to what they are capable of doing. Uh, this was a, a very good game, in my opinion. Um, I just love beating teams that you know are going to be in the playoff picture sooner or later at the end of the season. Uh, it just gives you, uh, you know, the catalyst to play against the top echelon teams. And it's good things. I just, I love beating uh, Vegas. I don't know why I love beating Vegas so much. Maybe because they're so new and so on, but, or they're so good. They can be, um, you know, sometimes they could be very good. So, And the Bruins have done well against Vegas. And I also got to add that, you know, there are those that say, well, you know, the, Eichel isn't at full strength. They were missing Pacioretty. They were missing Martinez. But that's still a damn good hockey team over on the, the other side. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. and, and Mark Stone, too. And Stone. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the, the Kucherov effect. <laughs> uh, yeah. Let's move, 
Move on to the next game. Uh, this on Saturday, March fifth, twenty twenty-two, the Bruins traveled to Nationwide Arena in Columbus, Ohio, to take on the Blue Jackets. This was the first time of three between these clubs, and first time the Bruins would face old friend Sean Corrali, who seems to be doing well playing in his new home state. This was also a form of Bruin Rick Nash's number retirement, um, and that we might just touch on later in the agenda. Uh, Bruins forward Jake DeBrus got the game's first goal at the 10:39 mark of the first period, tipping in his 15th goal of the season, assisted by forward Brad Marchand and defenseman Charlie McAvoy. Fast forwarding to the second period and a two to one Blue Jackets lead, B's forward Eric Halla. Uh, we get his the the two to two tying goal at 151 mark with a lone assist going to Brad Marchand. That was Hall's eighth goal of the season, continuing a season-high six-game point streak. The next Bruins goal came in the third period at the 440 mark when Craig Smith ties the game at three with his 10th of the season, assisted by defenseman Connor Clifton and forward Nick Foligno. Smitty now has goals in three straight games. Uh, the fourth Bruins goal of the game came in the third period when Patrice Bergeron scored a power play goal and 4-3 lead at the 14:58 mark, assisted by forward Taylor Hall and David Pasternak. Bergie's 16th goal of the season uh, snapped a two-game pointless streak. Unfortunately, three seconds remaining in the final frame, Blue Jackets forward Jakob Voracek tied the game at four apiece, forcing overtime, which posted no results leading to the dreadful skills competition shootout. In the shootout, forward David Pasternak was the only player to score, giving the Bees a 5-4 to four shootout victory, finishing the six-game road trip. Bees goaltender Jeremy Swayman got the win against Columbus, stopping 20-24 Blue Jacket shots. Brad Marchand with two had a two assist game, which snapped a two game pointless streak, and uh, Jeremy Swayman perfect in the shootout, giving him his fifteenth victory and sixth straight win. Uh, quick thoughts on this game and imp- an impressive six game Western road trip, earning ten of a possible twelve points. Kevin, uh, yeah, last game of the road trip. Um, I, I remember Dom was saying that he expected them to come out um, a bit slow on that one. Um, just because they're looking forward to getting home to their families and being done with the road trip. Um, but they were able to pull out a win. You got contributions up and down the lineup. Um, it's one of those games where they should have won it and they did win it, regardless of what fashion it was in. It's tough to give up a goal that late, but um, it was just uh it was just an all around tough one there giving up a goal that late in the game. But, they bounced back. They won it in, like you like to say, the uh, the skills competition there. Yep. They got the win there, so that's fine. Um, but, yeah, I don't have really much else to say. I mean, I'm happy for Halla. Um, he's really contributing. He, like you said, six-game point streak. He's really getting it going and right at the right time, too. Absolutely. Tom, your thoughts? I was, I was expecting a letdown game. Uh, I will say this. Uh, on the other side, Columbus works their asses off, man. And that was – they were playing playoff hockey, and it was good for the Bruins to go up against that and and face a little little bit of adversity here and there. Uh, it was nice to see Pasternak do something different uh, in the shootout, but doesn't mean anything because there's no shootouts in the playoffs anyway. So, um yeah, they they fought it out. They stuck with it. They won the game. Um, 
but full credit to Columbus for for putting up the fight and full credit for Boston for pulling it up. Yeah. Um, it, for, for me, this game was just uh, – it was another one that was just, you know, seconds. Seconds left to go and just can't hold down the lead. And, um, you know, it's something that they need to work on, especially when you're coming down towards the playoffs because we need those are the times when you need a complete 60-minute effort. And no excuses there. So, um, you know, things to work on, things to adjust, and uh, hopefully it works out. But um, – and I hope I was hoping that would work out for this next game, but we'll talk about it now. On Monday, March 7th, 2022, the Boston Bruins returned home after almost two weeks on the road to face the Los Angeles Kings, a team they beat 7-0 uh, last week at Crypto.com Arena on a Swayman 34-save shutout. The Bruins got on the board first um, in the opening frame with a goal from forward Trent Frederick, who scored his fourth of the season at the 14.02 mark, assisted by forwards Charlie Coyle and Craig Smith. A bit later, over a minute, uh, L.A. tied the game at one apiece. A uh, real quick one on that one. Went to the second period. Red hot Bruins forward Craig Smith scores his 11th of the game of season. Assisted by forward Charlie Coyle and defenseman Mike Riley, Smitty's goal at the 1905 mark gave the veteran forward points in three straight games. Under 30 seconds to go in the third period, the LA Kings tied the game uh, to forcing overtime for the Bruins for the second straight game. In the extra in the extra session, LA Kings forward Andreas Athanasiu, and I see you, Dom. Uh, sealed, uh, <laughs> sealed the deal on the victory at the 153 mark of the overtime, scoring his eighth of the year. Bruins goaltender Linus Alma got the start and goal stopping, and actually had an excellent, uh, an excellent career record in previous games against the um, LA, but not on this night. Alma stopped 25 of 28 visiting shots for the overtime loss. Uh, Smith with a goal and an assist. And Charlie Coyle, regardless of the late game fumble, had two helpers in the game, giving him four points in his last five games. Quick thoughts on this game, guys. Great game. That was a lot of fun to watch. <clears throat> um, someone had to lose. Unfortunately, it was the Bruins. Um, I don't like. Obviously, we don't like the way they lost there, giving up another goal um, very late within the last minute, but there's a lot of good to take out of that game. Um, it was just, it was a lot of fun. I, I don't think I can really say much more about it other than it was a great game. It was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, yeah, it was a great game. I even tweeted out uh, that night that it was a shame one of the teams had to lose, but I want to pound my desk here because Things that happen that shouldn't that shouldn't be happening to this team, and I know we're going to talk trades later on, but here's the issue: just under two minutes left to play, and Charlie McAvoy was out on the blue on, on defense on the right side with Connor Clifton on the left. If All I right. remember correctly, that's what it was. They went off. Out came Derek Forbert and uh brandon carlo which should be your pair out there in the last minute they should be now i don't know at what time mcavoy and clifton come back out do you, any of you guys remember i don't know nope. yeah I, I think it was 
some sometime before the goal. They don't have any trust in their defenders on the left-hand side to be able to close out a game. Honestly, it should be Forbert and it should be it should be Carlo, the two of them out. But you can't ride them for two minutes. I mean, we all agree on that. There's no way they can be out there for, for two minutes in those heavy minutes. So here you you have a guy that we would all like to see an improvement on, on Connor Clifton, being forced to go play his offside. I don't care what all the analytics say. I don't give a shit what the analytics say. And I fall, I'm deeply into analytics. For 59 minutes and 30 seconds, the analytics were great. But it's the last 30 seconds of that game where they stuck up the joint. Why? Because they don't have the personnel to put out there. When the going gets tough. Yep. Now, I, I want to go to the overtime goal, if I can. Sure. Everybody knows Charlie Coyle had a brain fart. But if you watch the play develop, this is a three-on-three gimmick. We don't see three-on-three three in the playoffs. If this was a playoff game, we wouldn't have seen what we saw. Charlie McAvoy thought he would jump into the rush, okay? So he left a king behind him, which was Athanasiu. Coyle, without thinking, this is his brain fart, and it is his mistake, put the puck in the area where McAvoy would be had it been five on five. Still probably would have got it, gotten intercepted, but he would have been in a position to defend. Right. So it was a mix-up on all sides. But I'm not concerned because, like you said, it's a gimmick. It's three on three. We don't see it in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. As long as they, they, they fix their five on five, I'm fine with it. And that's my rant. I really wanted to pound my desk, but... I, Mob Saddam I, over there. This rant of the that? day. Mob Saddam. Mob Saddam. <laughs> Look, he's looking like he's straight out of the Sopranos right now. I know, right? <laughs> I feel like I'm going to get whacked. No, <laughs> no but uh, to be serious, um, the L.A. game I thought was was good because the physicality was there. That's the type yep. of hockey that you, you traditionally see in playoff style. Um, and I, I enjoyed it. Games. That's what yeah. they play, back to black playoff games. Exactly. <laughs> and, and you know, those are good things to, to, to work on with, you know, under 30 games to go in the regular season. So um, I, I, it's a lot. I mean, it sucks the way, the fashion that it came, uh, but uh, I thought it was an entertaining game. I know people are losing their minds, but I kind of just brushed it off and said, you know, let's let's go Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. It, and Almark was fantastic that game. Yeah. And he was just he's getting yeah. torched. Yeah, getting torched. And he was so good. I mean, that goal that happened there in the final minute, how can you I mean, it got knocked down by a player in front and he couldn't see anything and someone was there to pick it up. I mean, yeah. how how are you gonna yeah. fault him for that? You can't fall for it. That game had everything. Physicality on both sides, sustained offensive zone time for both sides, great defense, and great goaltending on both sides. That yep. was a – give me 82 games like that. Oh, yeah. And I'll be happy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm totally totally in agreement with that. All right, let's jump into some topics. Um, that was a – Bit of a long, long go at it with the uh, the games, but 
Craig Smith found a great fit on Boston's third line. Should he be a lock at that line for the long haul? I I, I say yes, just by yep. what could happen. Um, let's sure up that third line and make the adjustments via trade if needed um, uh, on the second line right side with the uh, – oh, I'm sorry, the, uh, the first line right side. Um, with the potential removal of Jake DeBrosco in somewhere, who knows if that's actually going to happen. But when you think about scenarios and the rosters and so on, you kind of can put the places in, in play. But you don't, in my opinion, you don't want to disrupt um, that third line because it's it's a very puck possession line. It's it's fast. It's it's gritty, and um, and, and obviously Smith shoots a lot, but complemented that. Below is your fourth line, who is who has been playing well, you know, good too. So um, I don't think we need to mess with any of those lines. I just think it's the it's the um, the first and second that might need a little bit of adjustments. And and if something comes in via trade, great. Uh, hopefully it happens because right now, if you do move DeBrusque, there's nothing internal that's coming up right now to push anybody uh, out of their roster spots, especially coming down to the playoffs. Yep, absolutely. Uh, this is a that this third line is the third line you would see on a Stanley Cup winning team. Agree. I actually hands down. I wouldn't touch lines two, three, or four. I agree. I think Paula has done far more better than expected in that spot. Certainly a lot better than Charlie Coyle did. Uh, so I don't touch it. Uh, Pasternak's been on a tear. Uh, Hall is playing the position, uh, the possession and setup guy. I mean, he's even finding Haller, and Hall is providing that no nonsense, solid defense that you have to have with, with two guys like Hall and Pasternak out there. What they need to do, if they move Jake DeBrusque, they absolutely have to bring a right a right winger in. Absolutely, no. Two ways about it. They're not going anywhere if they don't. Um, unless you're breaking up that second or third line to put somebody up there, and then no, no, you <laughs> you you've messed up what you, what you've just built. And as I mentioned earlier, you you need another left shot defenseman. Sure, Vakanainen is coming back, but he's green, man. He's got no playoff experience. I want somebody with experience there. And then a third move is to upgrade on Connor Clifton. Because when the going gets tough, I don't want Char Charlie McAvoy out there killing penalties. You save him for five on five uh, key defensive situations and offensive situations and the power play. If you can improve on Clifton and go with... Carlo and player X on the PK on the right side and Forbert and player Y on the left side, you just alleviated, alleviated a lot out of, off of Charlie McAvoy's plate. Three things. Uh, first, um, one thing about Clifton though, kind of like I'm going to, I'm going to put this in the same breath as like a, a Nick Felino. If, if he, if we can get out of Clifton, in the playoffs, what we did last season, sign me up. If that's what he is, is he's a he's a playoff juggernaut. Sign me up for that. I mean, obviously, we don't want to go 
into the playoffs hoping that he's that same guy. So I agree with Dom there. But if he can be that guy as a depth piece, you're sitting pretty. Uh, second thing, another thing that I, I'm very nervous about when it comes to Vakaninen kind of um, betting on him going into the playoffs is his health. I mean, we don't know if he's going to be able to stay healthy enough to even finish out the season, let alone play in the playoffs. Um, and then third, let's be fair with Charlie Coyle because he didn't get a shot with Pasternak and Hall on his wings. I understand that the play style of Halla and Coyle are both different, but Coyle has a ton of skill and possesses some top six qualities that unfortunately he can't always put together. But I, I, I myself would be very interested to see what he could do in between those two. And I'm not advocating for breaking up that, uh, the hollow line at all. I'm just saying I would be interested to see what he could do. I don't think he'd be as, as successful as Hall. I don't. I just think the, the styles just don't mesh. I want to touch on your thought about uh, Connor Clifton and his uh, playoff juggernautism. Um, for, for for me, it's you know to play in the playoffs, you got to earn your trust. It just doesn't you know you don't skate through the regular season uh, making mistakes, this and that, and earn that trust. To, you know, for in my opinion, for um, Bruce Cassidy, just to say, okay, kid, you're in. You know, but he's definitely got to be play better for um for for Cassidy to like insert him into a postseason um and how however long we um we you know last in the playoffs so um yeah and and so many people say uh, regular season doesn't matter it's all about the playoffs well you still have to play in the regular season to get to the playoffs so mm-hmm. um I don't know it's uh it's gonna be interesting on how everything gets shuffled around and how uh, pieces get moved. Uh, if if they actually do, because uh, it's uh, pretty quiet right now, but I expect that to be uh, different uh, coming up shortly. Um, just to touch on something right now, it's like you know, uh, nope, I won't do that. I, I just looked at the agenda, and I'll save that for later. <laughs> All right, um, uh, let's go back to Eric Haller a little bit. Um, he's proving to be more than just a passenger on that second line. But what is it about the, his game that makes him a good fit for that line? Oh, my God. I mean, <clears throat> you name it. I mean, he's he's got the speed. He's got the 200-foot game that he's been consistently showing with those two. Um, he's got He's got a little bit of grit, and he's got some skill. I mean, he fits – he may not be on the same caliber of those – two players on his wings for some reason he's looking like he fits perfectly like it's just it's a no-brainer to keep him there for me why spend the assets on a second line center this year and possibly have to overpay for one when you could revisit that in the offseason when you have hollow working so well i think that the the key thing that i'll agree with everything that kevin said but add hockey iq mm-hmm. he's got to be able to play with a Taylor Hall and a David Pasternak, you have to be a smart player. That's not to say uh, Charlie Coyle is not. It's mm-hmm. just the styles don't mesh. But Halla has the IQ to to be able to play with those guys, read off of them, uh, understand what, what they're going to do, and be there as support for them 
rather it's the person that has to drive them. What are the Bruins' biggest needs for a long playoff run where we stand today? I'll let you go on this one first, Dom. Well, I think we kind of touched on it already. I, I Personally, if DeBrusque has moved into trade, they need a right a first-line right winger there to replace him. And then you need a left-shot defenseman. I don't want to say compliment, but to slot everybody properly where they should be. Right. And then I would like to see an improvement on Connor Clifton on, on this. And I, I know about his playoff history. To me, he was great against Washington, but he wasn't so great against the Islanders. And and that's what you get with Clifton. He'll surprise you surprise you for stretches and be and be totally okay. And other times in between, he's just there, a body on the ice. So <clears throat> those are those are the three needs. Oh, and they need uh, Jeremy Swayman to be Jeremy Swayman. Mm, there you go. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. And they need Linus Allmark to step up if Swayman is not getting it done. Yeah. For sure. I mean, when I look at this offense, I think they are one piece away, and that one piece away is that right wing from being able to contend with the best of them offensively. And I just specify offensively there because defensively, it's not up to par, regardless of what the analytics say, just like Dom had said earlier. It's just not there for me. And I, part of me wants to go forward with saying they actually need three pieces on that back end. I just don't know how well Riley or Forbert will be able to do in the playoffs. And to be honest, I'd rather Grizz be on a third bearing in the playoffs. I mean, that's just, I feel like two pieces on that left side and <coughs> one on that right side would make this team with the offense, be able to compete with anyone. Now, but obviously you're, you're talking about acquiring four players. Oh, I know it's not going to happen. I'm just it's going over gonna, what I think just, they'll need. But think about just bringing four guys in, in the off season with a full training camp, how long it took them to mesh. You, yeah. you're just isn't enough time to bring four bodies in and expect like that to be ready for the playoffs. And I know that it won't happen either. I'm just specifying what I think they need to be able yeah. to run with anyone. That includes Tampa and Carolina. Now, what? Now, I agree with what you say, though, as to what they should be able to bring in and what they should bring in to, you know, hopefully catch fire and be able to maybe catch a team like Tampa or Carolina off guard and, you know, maybe knock them out in a six- or seven-game series. But, um, but for me, it's – I don't know. How, how do you guys feel about Riley's physicality lately? Very good. Yeah, it's 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 definitely been noticeable uh, and needed uh, in certain situations. Um, but he's he's still got to uh, have that defensive prowess and not like not like be so worried so much on um, getting rid of the puck so quickly, try to carry it up a little bit further because I I think that when he's, when he's getting heat on him from behind or, you know, a back check or anything like that, and he he just kind of hurries the pass, that's when he's like really making those nasty turnovers, but we haven't seen that lately. So Mm -hmm. things are really turning around for him and his game. I think he's gaining a little more trust from the, uh, the coaching staff. Kevin Dean's probably working with him a lot more uh, to try to, you know, 
transition out further, get get out of the zone, and then if you make if you make a mistake there, it's not so bad as 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 deep as it is in the past when he's given it up and the, and you're only like 30, 40 feet away from the goal and it's and it's normally in the net. But um, things to work on. I mean, this is it's a work in progress. On paper, this is not a Stanley Cup team. They're going to have to work hard and together. So if they can't do it together, there's no point in the whole in the whole mission. I'm I'm really glad that you guys said that because for me, if Riley can continue playing the way that he's been playing, I think he kind of puts himself above a, a Grizzly when it comes to the physicality, when it comes to the playoffs. So I wouldn't feel like you have two of the same player there on the left side and like a Grizzly and a, uh, and a Riley kind of like a transitional, um, you know, more offensive driven type player who also can, you know, play well defensively, but Riley has that physicality. He has been showing it. So I would be okay with having him on a third pairing over Forbert going into the playoffs. If, if they go ahead and acquire another left shot defenseman. Now, I, I think the key there too with Riley is since he's been with McAvoy a lot, he's no longer shying away from, from taking the hit to make the play. I don't know if, if Chucky is helping him through that or, or what, or better communication on the ice, warning them like, Hey, there's somebody on you, whatever. Uh, I don't know what it is, but he definitely is not shying away from taking the hit to make the play. Um, moving on to the next topic. Um, this one uh, came pretty much out of nowhere. And um, it is, uh, should Don Sweeney go for Minnesota Wild prospect Jack McBain? And uh, you guys have a little bit more intel on on this type of player. I didn't have uh, much time to do a lot of research. I know he's playing at, is he Boston College? Correct. Yeah. yeah. So um, uh, it's, it's it, it would be a trade for rights. Um, and uh, and this is sounds like a player that's going to be pretty good, has a pretty decent future ahead of him. Uh, but those rights are going to cost uh, uh, not only the Boston Bruins, but any team that actually gets them. So um, let's hear what the price could be and your thoughts on the player. Um, well, with um, the price apparently is a second round pick for his rights. But I'm assuming that's if there's kind of a an acknowledgement in place that the player will sign for the team that trades for him. Um, now, I, I I think that's a fine price. When you go back and you look at certain players who got their rights traded, who were who turned out to be pretty good players, which McBain definitely has a chance to do. Um, Adam Fox went for two seconds. Um, uh, Hyman, I forget exactly what he went for. Second was it a second? Fourth, wasn't it? Second and a fourth, maybe. Yeah, but he went from Carolina to Toronto, and Hyman turned out to be a good player. I mean, Adam Fox turned out to be a Norris Trophy uh, a winner. So I'm not now. That's not me saying that McBain will be that, but he's got the IQ, he's got the size, he's got the skills. Um, He's got a lot of tools in his toolbox to make that happen. Um, he's six foot four, um, two, 218 pounds. That's what he's listed as on um, Boston College's website. So that's what I'm going to go by because they're the ones who have him, um, opposed to what may be outdated information otherwhere, um, in other places. So he's got a really 
good frame that's pretty much filled in for the most part. Maybe a you know maybe five more pounds would do him some good, but he um he's he's got he's got a lot of a lot of good playmaking skills and he has a good quick shot um from what i've seen from highlights watching him um i don't want to say he could be a joe thornton do-over because i would never want to put that type of pressure on someone like that and joe thornton's just a prolific um uh, uh playmaker you know and but he's got he's got those he's got those skills and he's got that size so you never know what do you I, will, I will say this adding to what kevin had to say i first saw him play for the toronto junior canadians in the ontario junior hockey league uh two years before his draft year so that's what 2016. i've been doing ohl rankings for over a dozen years and in 2018 uh for the for the first time i added Ontario Junior Hockey League players because Jack McBain was that good. And I think I had him number 10 uh, on my list. And I would have had him higher, but how high do you go to draft a guy that is is guaranteed to spend the next four years in college? Because he was committed to getting his degree. He made it very, very clear while he was playing junior A hockey in Canada. So I belong to a, a bunch of keeper leagues, sim leagues, uh, what have you. And when we did our draft before the NHL draft and I drafted him in the second round and everybody's like, what are you doing dog? What are you doing? I said, well, I can afford to wait four years. You wait and see. I will tell you if the Bruins were to acquire him, he automatically becomes their number one prospect down the middle. Ahead of, uh, ahead of Brett Harrison, Ahead of Stadnika, ahead of Beecher, uh, you name it, he's number one. <clears throat> would I pay a second? I would pay. Let's go. Let's go this far because I've already made it public. I would. I would trade the Bruins' second pick plus a B prospect to get his rights if I knew he was going to sign. Uh, because let's face it, where the Bruins are picking will be a very late second round pick right okay which is pretty much a third round pick considering where um where mcbain was picked he was what the second pick in the third round or the first pick in the third round so, i don't remember <laughs> i think it was the first pick of the third round so he's pretty much a late second round pick but then you have a team like ottawa or montreal that offers their second rounder, you're not going to compete with that because it's a much better pick. So you're going to have to throw in something else to sweeten the pot. Okay. I would pay it. That's me. I watched him in junior A for two years. I followed him at Boston College. I followed him a lot because, like I said, I had him in my own keeper leagues and my own sim leagues. And I'll tell you, last year, a year ago, everybody's like, Dom, do you want to trade McMahon? Do you want to trade McMahon? I, no. Remember, you were one of the ones that laughed at me when I drafted. <laughs> no, I'm not trading. So I would pay it. Definitely. No no qualms about it. Since I don't know much about this, uh, the player, but now I'm, I'm, I'm going to put a tag on him. I'm going to start watching some uh, video on him. But um, 
you know, he's a left shot. He's 22 years old. He plays up the middle. Um, he, could play wing two. he could play wing two. He plays both. He can play Excellent. wing or center. Excellent. Because <laughs> you know the Bruins love that versatility. Mm-hmm. Um, how about his defensive game for a bigger forward? 6'3", 200 pounds, um, you know, back checking and so on. Uh, and away from the puck, he's, he's, he's good. Good two way forward. All there. All okay. There. Good. Set, His attitude, set. too. Yeah. The skill. Like, this is what surprised me about him not wanting to, to sign with Minnesota if those rumors are true. He's very, very loyal. Very loyal. He was born in Alberta, uh, moved to Ontario. He's, he grew up as a, a big, huge Montreal Canadiens fan which is why he went to play for the junior Canadians in Toronto. He said from the beginning, I'm going to college. I Don't draft me in the OHL because I am going to college. I want my degree. This was a year before the draft. Um, <clears throat> the Barry Colts drafted him in the first round anyway, even though he warned them, like, don't do it. He had the option to go to the USHL the next season. Um, before he's, he went to college. He didn't. He remained loyal to the junior Canadians and then went to Boston College. But like he said, from day one, I'm finishing my four years in college. I'm going to earn my degree. He's that loyal. He's that honest. And that's why I was caught off guard when, when rumors come out that he wasn't going to sign with uh, Minnesota. Interesting. 18 goals on the year in 22 games this year for BC as well. Yeah, and that's accompanied by 11 assists, so 29 points in 22 games. That's pretty impressive. Very um, impressive. What, what else, Another question, Dom, because you've been following him for a while while playing in the GTHL, um, and he played for the Don Mills Flyers. Now, did he come – you said he's from Alberta, correct? Yeah, he was born in Alberta. But they, his family moved to the Greater Toronto area. Yeah. Okay. His dad was, his dad was Andrew McBain that played in the NHL. Oh, was uh, he in Carolina? I forget where he, he was playing when when uh, when Jack was born. Okay. Um, but eventually they 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 moved to Toronto, and he was still young at the time, and that's where he began his 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 hockey career. So. Awesome. Well, where he became to get known. I mean, everybody knew while he was playing midget that this guy was going to be an NHL player. I mean, he was that talented. Boston's got a leg up on this kid, too, because he's here in Boston. All it takes is Bergeron figuring out how to contact him and saying, hey, I'll bring you out for lunch. Let's have a discussion. You never know. Yeah, but they can't. That, that's tampering. It's, right. It's just not allowed. Right. Well, it's just not allowed. What they what they don't know won't hurt them, right? No. <laughs> like I I was asked today, and and if I can have a minute, maybe I'll explain it so that the listeners can understand. Absolutely, take your time. Why? Uh, like I was asked, why would you trade for this guy when you can sign him for free on August fifteenth if he's not signing with Minnesota? Well, you want his rights. You want the ability to be able to talk to him before he can, because and. I don't have cap friendly open in front of me, so I don't know the numbers, but you have teams with no cap space. So they, 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 
They can't bring them in and burn a year of his entry-level contract. You have teams upward near the maximum 50 contract limit, limit, so they can't sign him now. If they do, then it limits what they can do on trade deadline. The Bruins, I believe, have 45 contracts uh, signed. They got plenty of contract space to sign him, sign another one if they want, sign another one if they want, and still bring in two pieces or three after trading Jake DeBrusque and be under the contract limit. So if you wait till August 15th, there's a lot more teams out there bidding. The number that could bid on him right now is limited. So you want to try and get him and have that exclusivity to sign him before anybody else can. Tom, yeah, oh yeah, makes total sense. That number on the contracts is 44 or 50, Dom. 44. Okay, yep. I was out by one. So they have, uh, but from my Amesbury math, that is six spots, which is attractive because there's a lot of players that are in the NCAA right now that are going through the, well, are done with their seasons, but but the lucky ones are going through the, uh, the Frozen Four tournaments and everything like that. So uh, their commitments will be over soon. So I'd expect that number to go up higher. Yeah, um, and no. of course trade deadline. So, yeah, yeah. But if you look at the other teams, look at the uh, the teams at forty seven or more, and that eliminates how many teams uh, could be in on Jack McBain right now. Right. Don't, don't count non playoff teams because they don't matter. They're not going to be active on trade deadline and acquiring acquiring pieces. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So if if you if you don't like. <clears throat> If you don't do what's needed to talk to him first and get into his head that you're already in Boston, you love the city, you play here for Boston College, why not add a professional career onto your uh, your resume? Then, you know, there's going to be other teams out there, like you mentioned, that are going to be swarming for his services, you know, and, and especially a guy of his size. I mean, it's over six feet and over 200 pounds is just going to bring – uh, a lot of teams um, are, are calling. So, interesting. very interesting. You know, and he's a shooter. Imagine, imagine at some point, Jack McBain out there, followed by Brett Harrison, who can really rifle the puck down the middle. Oh, yeah. God, stop. Now, I don't <laughs> want to call him number one and number two, but consecutively, one right after the other. Yeah, absolutely. And that'd be, Sorry, that'd be kind of like a Bergeron and Krejci type situation because it's like when I looked at though when I look at those two and you look at certain facets of their game they're they'd be interchangeable so um right. you could kind of see the same thing with a tandem like that right I don't, I don't think they'll be on the level of those two but no but you're 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 throwing out a dual threat imagine imagine David Pasternak on the left side on the power play ripping one timers or uh and jack mcbain down the middle playing uh playing the um the bumper the bumper the bumper and brett harrison on the right circle firing one timers you're depressing me dom (laughs) yeah like mcbain's shot from from the bumper is better than bergeron so is it safe to say for you, Dom, that he will be easily 
with without without any doubt a top six center in this league. McVay. Easily, without a doubt. But you know what? Someone's going to come along and offer him the maximum $925,000 that he can get on an entry-level contract, allow him to burn a year off his contract, and load up on performance bonuses, which can max out, I think, this year at $2.8 bucks. Okay, with uh, <clears throat> with league and team bonuses. So he may not get that much, but he's going to get loaded with, with bonuses. And um, like I said, he's a huge Montreal Canadian fan. But let's not forget how much pull the agent has here. Ooh. You know, the agent is pocketing some money out of this too. So oh, absolutely. It, he's, he, he's going to convince the player on what the right deal is for him. Now, so let's say he wanted to go to Montreal. Um, they have Suzuki up the middle there. They have um, – who else do they have there up the middle? I'm drawing a blank. In Montreal, that's it. So there would be a slot for him there. Yeah. Boston, yeah. there's an obvious slot for him. I mean, Montreal, I think, Montreal would let him burn a year off right away. Yeah. I, I think um, mm-hmm. I think Sweeney's got to try to do whatever it takes to get this kid. I really do. I mean, Boston – needs something there that is promising enough to feel good about if Bergeron were to leave. Yeah. And I mean, we're talking, I mean, fans talk about Parker Ford. People talk, they talk about McLaughlin. They talk about Scanlon. They talk about these guys, right? As they're the big ticket, but, and I love all those players. I really do. But once, once it became clear, if the rumors are true that McBain is not signing, then sign me up. He's at the top of the list. Yep. The top of the list, as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely. And you know what should be at everybody's top of the list is getting more black and gold stuff for your fan cave. And you should be talking to Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. He's got some amazing hand-signed items, hand-signed pucks, hand-signed pictures, hand-signed jerseys. Just like this one that I keep forgetting to send, my friend, Nick Busa. This is uh, Don Marcotte, hand-signed, 1970-72 Stanley Cup champion, fully authenticated right there, just for a dollar. Oh, oh, not for a dollar. Uh, you'd have to talk to Bruce Sullivan about that. I'll but, take uh, one for a dollar. Yeah, I'm kidding. <laughs> but That's anyway. The Patreon is here. Exactly. We'll talk about the Patreon later on. And, uh, yeah, so we'll hear from Bruce Sullivan. He's got some fantastic items. He's, um, he was not with us last week because he was uh, doing a, uh, a private signing with, I believe, Mike Milbury. And I, I know he's got a couple shoes that uh, he had Mike sign. So the big shoe fight in New York. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have to get one of those shoes. Yeah. So Yeah, shoe. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'll send you a picture of it. It's kind, it's kind of funny. Yeah, do that. All right, we will hear from Bruce Sullivan, and we'll talk on the other side, folks. Hello, Bruins fans. This is Bruce from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our Black and Gold Memorabilia Moment of the Week. We are proud to announce our limited-time Don Marcotte sale. While supplies last, buy a Don Marcotte JSA-authenticated jersey with 1970 and 72 Stanley Cup champs inscription for just $59. Buy two and get them for $49 in free shipping. 
On February 21st, we hosted Big Bad Bruin and Shoe Fight veteran Mike Milbury. Grab your Milbury jersey with Big Bad Bruin's inscription for just $79 or a puck or photo for just $29. And on February 26th, we hosted all-star Bruins goalie Reggie Lemelin. Score a Lemelin autographed dual-inscribed white or black jersey for just $79, puck or photo for just $29. For more information on our dozens of Bruins hand-signed pieces and your chance to win free memorabilia each week, Check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Or email us directly at bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go! All right, we're back. We just heard from Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. Fantastic stuff. Um, if you listened, go back and, and check out the email, write it down, or follow the Facebook page because uh, he gives away free stuff just for liking and sharing. Uh, he does that weekly. So um, uh, it's uh, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia Facebook page, and there's a group in there too. So check them out. And um, like I said, spice up the fan because it needs it badly. Uh, we are back. Getting back on the topics, um, per Pierre Lebrun, the San Jose Sharks defenseman Jacob Middleton is gaining a ton of interest. Boston is rumored to be amongst the most interested. Would this player be a fit for the Bruins? I want to hear what you have first, Tom, on that. You know where he's from, right? No. I do not actually know. Well, five blocks that way. Oh, no <laughs> kidding. Dom, Dom, Dom uh, babysat him as a kid or something. This is the stuff no. we're about to get. <laughs> no, my son babysat him as a kid. That's how old I am. <laughs> um, Never too old to be a babysitter. Um, would he help? Definitely. Definitely. Um, I, I just don't know how you work out the lineup. Um, he's that guy you can kill. Let's put it this way. The kid plays a lot with with uh with burns and with carlson okay so to be able to play with those two players you've got to have it up here yeah. uh, we talked about iq earlier so he's got it uh, is, is he flashy is he going to bring you out of your seat no but he's steady reliable has some grit to it he's a tough i don't want to use that adjective he's a mean son of a gun uh, he'll stick up for his teammates and he's a guy you can throw out there on the PK on the left side. So, yeah, I'd welcome him anytime. Um, I, I just want to touch on before um, Kevin uh, goes on this. Um, there is a relationship with the uh, the Boston Bruins organization because Ryan Mujanel, uh was the coach out in, uh, I believe he was an assistant coach with the uh, San Jose Barracuda. Yeah. So he's got some familiarity with this, uh, with this, with Middleton. So, um, I, I, you know, there's always that, uh, you know, that, that can help a lot, you know, to, to reach out to somebody that, you know, find out what the organization's all about, what they're looking for. And, you know, uh, so just to get some Intel. So that possibly might be a, a good solution for that. But like you said, where do you put him in? Where does he fit? I like the I like the idea that you can put him in multiple situations, which is always good when a player that you you'd like to you'd like to get in. And um, so, 
I don't he's know. Smart enough, he's smart enough to be what they thought Forber could be next to, to McAvoy. Right? I, I guess that's the best way of describing it because I don't think, like, I don't mind Forbert. I don't hate him. I don't dislike him like a lot of the internet does, but he's just not, he doesn't think at McAvoy's level. So it makes it hard for him. I think Middleton, like I said, he plays with Burns. He plays with Carlson. He knows what ty- how how to play with those type of defensemen. I mean, one thing that he can definitely help is the is the penalty kill for sure. Um, he's a part of that great San Jose penalty kill. Um, I, I could see him being a good fit there. Um, right now, he's actually playing top pairing minutes. Uh, do I think he's a top pairing defenseman though? No. Um, I think he could possibly slot in if he's all you get, he could possibly slot in on a second pairing um, with uh, Brandon Carlo and then drop Riley down to play with whoever and just keep Grizz and McAvoy together. Is that something that I think is your best fit? No, I think there's better things out there for you, but Middleton would definitely be a good pickup for Sweeney if he were to get him. And he's cheap too. Twenty six years old. Uh, he's on a. Um, it's he's a uh, left defenseman. He signed for seven hundred twenty five thousand. He's an RFA at the end of this season uh, with arbitration rights. So there's always that that hangs over. But that's not the end all be all um, when it comes to contracts and and, and immediate placement. So. Um, interesting play. I'm. That's another one. I'm going to write down too. I got, you guys give giving me homework to do. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> you brought him up. Oh, I brought I, him up. Yeah, this is, um, <laughs> it's a report have... that we got yesterday. So yeah, you know, we we got to oh. touch upon it. You know, good stuff. Um, let's move on to the next one. And this is the most interesting one that I was going to save because. Uh, some things I, that, you know, listening to some hockey podcasts at work today, which I do all the time, um, cause I'm a, a, a podcast junkie like that. Um, but should the Bruins pursue, uh, Claude Giroux in a trade? Um, and I know we've, we've had some back and forth, uh, banter with that on our private chat. Um, it's interesting because, uh, Giroux is going to be coming up on his 1,000th game coming up soon. This is this is coming from um, to the Jeff Merrick show and so on. I'm, I'm cherry picking this, but he's coming up on his 1,000th game. So I think the trade is, is definitely going to probably be a, a, a trade deadline. Nothing earlier than that. I think he's going to get his silver stick and uh, and right and you know set off onto the sunrise to a, um, a team that's going to want to win whether it be Boston, whether it be uh, Colorado um, or, or, or the other uh, several teams that are involved in, in for his services. Um, but what are your thoughts on getting him and also incorporate the idea that we do have Hollow who is playing well, but we haven't seen him in a playoff scenario yet. And we also haven't seen Philly in the playoffs for a, a while and be relevant in those, in those postseason games. So we don't know what kind of Giroud we're going to get if we do land him. So it's kind of a, a mishmash here of, of ideas and, and, and what, what could the cost be? Because this, this people that are saying Giroud could go for a boat and then there's others 
particularly a couple of people that I know that are like, hey, it might not be that that much. So what are you guys' thoughts? Dom, you want to take this one first or do you want me to? Oh, I'm, I'll be very quick with it. Like I sure. said earlier, now I'm not touching lines two, three, or four. If Claude Giroux comes in, he's on the right wing with Marchand and Bergeron. That's my, and then use DeBrusque to fix that defense. If Claude Giroux is the only piece coming in, I'm not, I'm not wasting my time. Why bother? Um, the cost to get him, to me, I said it weeks ago, even before Philly had had their press conference, that he was available, the Bruins would be interested, and that he was going to be strictly a pure rental because all the talk is that he's going back to Philly next year because that's where he wants to retire. So I don't, I don't think the cost would be that much. I really don't. Go from there, Kevin. Yeah, um, I 100% agree. Um, well, for me, I said earlier that this offense, an offense only, is one piece away from being able to contend with the best of them offensively. And if that one piece were to be Claude Giroux on the right side of Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron, that right there is a hell of a top six. Oh, my God. I mean, you could put that top six up against Tampa, up against – Carolina, any of them, and score goal for goal, keep up, you know, touchdowns, whatever. Um, obviously, like Dom said, if that's the only piece you're bringing in and you're not doing anything to that defense, then, yeah, why waste your time? But that could be a solid piece, and I, I would do it. As long as they are also bringing in a guy who can play in that top four on the left side and bring in a uh, right-shot defenseman, I'd absolutely do it. Two two Quebecian two Quebecians and a Scotch on the same line. That would be interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. And and if I'm not mistaken, all three of them played for Team Canada. So yeah. they they've all traveled together. They've all hung out together. And I'm sure the off seasons, um, there's been some kind of um, you know um, talking to uh, you know because a lot of the players these days they're more they're more apt to uh, reach out and talk to, you know, it's not like the 60s and 70s where everybody was just like, if you saw him at a bar, you were basically kicking their ass or, or fighting or this and that. It's more of a very uh, common place for uh, uh, NHL players nowadays. So um, that would be a, a pretty sick line. But for me, the concern would be is just the, the pure rental. What we would give up for somebody that, want, that wants to go back. Um, it's his after- choice, though. It's his choice, though, Mark. Right. Okay, if he says, I'm only going to Team X, then you have a Taylor Hall situation. Mm-hmm. Somebody asked me yesterday, um, why would Claude Giroux pick Boston over Colorado? Well, simple. Do you believe the rumors, or do you believe that he is going back to Philadelphia uh, next year? And he replied, yes. I said, okay, you have a young family at home. Okay, you're going to move yourself out there and leave. You're going back to Philly. Why uproot your young family? And you're going to go live out in Colorado for a few months. Or you're going to live in Boston and 
hop in a car or a train or a plane and be there in, in an hour to go see your family. Yeah, it, it is rumored that he did say he wanted to stay close to home as well as have a shot at a playoff run. Boston right. can provide that. How deep will that playoff run go? Depends on Sweeney. You know, so that that it, it, Boston is a fit when it comes to his parameters of what he would want to go to, to waive his no trade clause. Right. But if, uh, again, and we've stressed this a number of times over the last couple of weeks, if he's the only move, there's no sense in doing it. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. There's other options that can be explored on the market with uh, under two weeks to go. If it comes down to that, that's for sure. Uh, moving on to the next one, how about the um, – we're going back to Jacob Chikorin. We seem to be talking about this every week, but still it's just he's gaining more more uh, attention as we get closer to the deadline that's going to be on the 21st of this month. Um, and the Bruins are, are rumored to be one of eight teams that continually uh, to be involved in conversations for his services. Um, is there a deal that actually could make sense for the Bruins here? I'm just going to say goodbye. <laughs> I got I got one deal that I would do for this player. And this is where I, I, I messaged both of you earlier and I said, I have a take on Lori that you guys aren't going to like. But I would I would include him in just this one deal. I would include Mason Lorai in this deal because you're getting because what you're getting back is significant enough and his position, Lorai's position. So I would Absolutely. include Mason Lorai in that deal. Absolutely, I agree with you. Oh, I thought oh. you guys were gonna hang me. <laughs> oh no, no, I not at all, Kevin. We agree more often than we don't, so don't don't be so surprised. I will say this. When you look at the big names that are out there or that are reportedly available, it seems to me, no matter what article I click on, uh, which website I go visit, who I follow on Twitter, the Boston Bruins are always involved. Always. Always you show me a big name or name where the Boston Bruins aren't mentioned as being interested. So I, I take it all with a grain of salt. I really do. And, and to me, unless I hear something for myself, I just, I just stop believing it now because there's no way they can be interested in all of them. You can't be. You can't be interested in Jacob Chikrin and making a solid play for him and at the same time be interested in Lindholm in Anaheim and making a play for him. You can't. You don't have the assets to do both. Pick one. Um, Dom, what I think it is, and this is not, I mean, this is from zero of my experience of being an insider in the NHL because I have 0% of that. But from my belief, it is because 
Sweeney does his due diligence as a general manager of a hockey team by checking in on all players available. People take that, they catch wind of that, and they throw it out there as rumor. Bruins heavily interested in player X. And this is how it just happens and how it snowballs. Now, out of these players, there's probably only, you can count them on one hand, the amount of players that he's actually interested in pursuing any further than that. And he has his backups and his plan B's and his plan C's. And it's kind of hard to figure out which one of those players it is. And it seems to be for Don Sweeney that it's always the ones that you don't think of. Yeah, but right. Don Sweeney wouldn't be doing his job if he wasn't taking those phone calls. Correct. Right. You know, and even, yeah. even, even, and I got into an argument with somebody on Twitter uh, the, earlier this week. If somebody's calling about Swayman, and you hang up the phone, no, you don't. You listen to see, hear what exactly. is being offered. You just, right. you, you exactly. need to, you need to have dialogue with the team that, you want to possibly make a trade with and have a connection with and, and, and talk to them. It's not just no slam the phone, move on to the next one. It's that's right. not how it's, it works in the NHL. It's a, it's about respect, Mark. You don't want to insult a fellow GM because one day you want to have a conversation with them. So damn right. You listen to what they have to say and yep. you give a polite no. You don't hang up the phone on on a fellow GM. If 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 those are the conversations you're having with people, I'd be clicking the block button right away. <laughs> yeah. because, honestly, with the sunglasses on, I, I, gun yeah. in on the hip. Well, I I will I I just refuse to have those conversations with people. It's like that's how you feel. Block. <laughs> there you so go. Exactly. That's how I keep my, that's how I keep my sanity on on Twitter. It's like people are like, how can you stand that place? Well, it's all in how you control Twitter. Yeah, right. Exactly. Life advice from Dom: block everyone <laughs> who pisses you off. Fo- I was a football player, <laughs> defensive tackle, so I no. block everybody. There you go. I love it. You segued into your own little funny. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um. Wow. Uh, moving on to the next one. Uh, who do you want to see the Bruins face in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs? This is an interesting question because as as we look right now, I don't have the standings up or the playoff projections, but uh, since we moved into the first wild card, um, it looks like it's going to be lined up against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, wait, no, today Florida it's Florida, but... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I put this I put this topic up there because I wanted to run something by you guys. A little bit of hot takery here. I want the Boston Bruins to face the Tampa Bay Lightning first round. My reasoning for this is because if you get past them, you're probably going to have to get past either one either them or Carolina at some point. I'd rather it be earlier because if you do beat them, you are now hopped up on Ritalin and crack going into <laughs> the rest of your playoff run after you just took out the, you know, reigning Stanley cup champions. And two, if you lose, you got a better draft position and a really deep draft. So give me Tampa Bay first round, please. Okay. Well, I I can't disagree with what you said, but I live in Ontario. I live in the middle of Toronto media market and (laughs) Uh, I'm watching Leafs Nation 
right now going, oh, oh, here comes Both and already just in the regular season. And there's only a 20% chance that it could happen. There's only a 26% chance that it would be Tampa. But I want to see Toronto in the first round. Not only do I want to see Toronto in the first round, I wish that the Bruins would take Tuca's night honoring them on March 31st and move it back to the 29th against the Leafs. So it's with the team that drafted him facing the the team that he's played every single game for. So I'm all for putting it to Toronto right now because Leafs fans are squirming. That's to put it politely. They are squirming. And a lot of them are Oh, here comes Boston. We're going to the wild card. And that's the talk here these days. Oh, yeah. Because the Bruins, I mean, Tampa Bay, Toronto, Toronto had a like a 10-point gap not long ago. And the Bruins went on this, like, you know, 10 of 12 points on the road trip and just closed that gap. So now they're within, I think, three or four. I think it's back to six five. points. As it's oh, is it back five. to six? Okay, five. so five. Right. Five. So but yeah, they were, I'd be... in, they were closer in January too when they went on that streak. Yes, in January. That's right. But yeah, I'd be squirming too because I mean, oh, that would be great if that happened again. Just to have Boston give it to Toronto one more time. Yeah, one more time for me living in the middle of. of <laughs> Dom loves <Houston>. chaos. <laughs> Please, nothing sells better than controversy. Let's bring it on. Now, I want to touch on what, what Kevin's thinking about the Tampa Bay Lightning here. And it kind of makes me wonder what type of team Tampa Bay will be in the playoffs. And, and here's my reasoning. The, Tampa Bay won two straight Stanley Cups, but they never played a full season in mm-hmm. those two years. And when they did play a full season previously of, of the COVID crap, whatever, they got beaten out. Uh, they you know they got swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets, so it makes me think that you know yeah Tampa Bay is good and everything. They were good in that one season. They got a record or tied a record uh, breaking year when it comes to uh, wins and points, whatever. And then they got blown away by by uh, Columbus. I kind of think that that might happen this year too. So I'm kind of like on heaven uh, here. Like damn, I, I look I look at it like this, Mark. You go back to the Islander dynasties. You go back to the Oilers dynasties. Uh, you even go back to the Hawks dynasty. They had to learn to lose before they learned to win. I truly believe that. Uh, you look at the Oilers went up against the Islanders in the, it, when, I mean, the Oilers were the team. But here are here is the defending Stanley Cup champions, uh, four-time Stanley Cup champions. And you're going up against them, and the Islanders said, uh, "No way, man! You're not. This is our house. This is our cup." And they taught the Oilers a lesson. And what happened the following year? The <laughs> Oilers stopped the drive for five. Yep. Yep. Well, yeah. That makes that makes sense. You know. You've got to learn to lose before you learn to win. And that's at any level of hockey. I've seen it in junior. I've seen it at the NHL level. Um, And that Columbus 
kick-assing, I call it that because that's what it was, was Tampa's wake-up call. Stevie Eichmann knew what he had to do to that team to bring it over the top, and he did it. And then what's-his-name did it last year? Tampa will do it again this year. Tampa's not going to sit still at trade deadline. No, they won't. But I I think that that series against Columbus, uh, half of that too is I I really think – Tampa beat themselves too a bit. They kind of just, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, can't, I can't even pinpoint what exactly happened in that series, but it seemed to me like they kind of beat themselves a bit. Um, they didn't know how to react. Yeah. It's just they like. Didn't. So they learned to lose before they learned to win. Yeah. But I mean, that's not to say that. I mean, I think, I mean, because when you look at the Bruins series against them, they always win that first game convincingly. And mm-hmm. then after that, it's just an absolute mud stomp from Tampa. They just come right back and they just blow them out in five games. And it's just like, what the hell just happened huh. this year? Oh man. I mean, and usually it's because it's zero secondary scoring in the Boston Bruins lineup. Zero. They have that this year. If they're able to get the pieces in place that they need to, so they could be a tough matchup for the Lightning in in the playoffs this year. They really could. I like it. I can tell. You, I don't think any of those teams want to face face Boston. Nope. They're all they're all charging for that number one spot to play Washington. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to the second to last topic of the show. Um, this one is, is kind of interesting and I wanted, it, it's been talk for the past couple of days, but I guess I couldn't find it on Twitter or anything, but I guess per ESPN's Emily Kaplan, the Boston Bruins might have interest in a Zidane Chara return. Is it worth trading an asset for an aging veteran? When I mean asset, I mean a draft pick. Dom, do you want to say it at the same time? <laughs> One. No. Okay. Oh. <laughs> All right. One, two, three. No. 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 <laughs> I'm totally I'm totally on board with what you guys are throwing down, but I, I just kind of want to elaborate on um the look at the Boston Bruins roster right now and the way it's instructed on the defense. They're a little bit younger and they're kind of where they are right now, unless and there's, and there's no trades being happened and so on. One of the reasons why Chara decided to leave the Boston Bruins organization was to get the playing time that he deserved. He could still play at a high level. The Bruins didn't see it like that, so there was a kind of a, a disagreement, and 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 Chara walked to free agency. I don't see a player like that coming back here to accept the role that he left in in the first place. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of. You know, yeah, but it's two, two years removed, Mark, so you never know. True. That's, that's a valid point. I, I, right. I completely understand that. But, you know, there's, there's that, that narrative out there that, yes, I want that to happen because I want him to retire as a Bruin. But I kind of, like, you know, kind of throw it out there that says, why not let him finish the season not being a Bruin, but next season, if he retires... Why not sign him to that one day contract and then just raise the raft, raise him to the rafters? Okay. I don't think we have to bring him back just for that purpose. No, 
here's here's my thoughts on it. If you're Lou Lamorello and Zidane Chara came to you and said, yes, trade me, trade me back to Boston, see if you can work me out. You gave me a call and said, okay, Lou, I'll do you and I'll do Big Z that favor because he's meant so much to that, to, to this franchise. I'll send you future considerations. Which the doesn't mean way. it has to be anything at all. It won't. It means nothing. Right, right. It means nothing. Did you need a Kleenex 10 days from now? Here you go. Done. Yeah. <laughs> it's That's the only way. I'm not giving up an asset, even if it's a seventh round pick in 2029. <laughs> Jesus for, Christ. <laughs> for Zidane Chara. I'm just. Don with just the not. glasses on. Oh, my God. He just comes out here ruthless. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> What, what, but what, isn't that what you guys want me for, or do you want me to? to no, no I want the, the honesty. Yeah, the absolutely. No, I yeah. love it, Dom. I love it. Keep going. Okay, as long as you love it, that's all that matters. Yeah, but I'm totally on board with him not being here. But sooner or later, it, it will come down to he's going to get his day in the sun, and and the fans are going to love what what's going to happen. I'm sure the Boston Bruins organization will do something special for him, but. You know, with windows closing and all this freaking narratives out there about, you know, this is our last opportunity and everything. That's not the move that we need to make. And I'm not I, I don't no. care. about the, I don't care about the toughness. I don't That's care about his physicality and anything like that. I just I don't need his puck flipping skills out of the zone right now. We need faster transition, uh, crisp passes. And playoff style hockey that's good. That's going to be needed coming down the stretch here. And I just don't see that um, him being a huge part of what we're trying to do forward here for the, the members of this team. So hard. No, but I just wanted to touch base on uh, that. And but obviously got shut down by my friend Dom and the two years. Yeah. Removed. Emily's connected. So if, oh, yeah, I'm a huge fan of right? Emily too, you know? Yeah. So, but I'm just telling you what the most I would pay for it. Is. Yeah. I think, I think, um, when you look at the situation too, Zidane Chara should have retired two years ago. Yeah. Um, he's now, he's still playing the game, but he's not playing the game. He's, he's doing what we did never want to see Tom Brady do what we don't want to see Patrice Bergeron do. And that's become a shell of yourself. I mean, right. he's not, he's a pylon out there. He just gets, he just gets skated around regardless of how big his stick is or not. I mean, it's just, the Bruins exposed him last year. Absolutely exposed yeah. him. Totally exposed him. And, and they, I think they knew how to attack him. Yeah. And I think this is why I'd be a fantastic general manager for a hockey team. If any of you listening and need one, you can give me a call. <laughs> I, have z- <laughs> I have zero emotion. <laughs> I don't care about crap like that. Like, you know, I, I would never make a bad move like spending an asset on a guy who is past his prime needs to be brought out to the, um, to the pasture there. Oh, Jesus. It's true. It's, it's true. getting dark. Here. It's getting it's dark. It's true here. though. I mean, his career is, it, it should be done. If he plays another year, I'd be like, what the hell is going Jesus. on here? With that talk, the next thing you know, you're going to have sunglasses on and wow. I'm going to get waxed. <laughs> it's like, it's like I said on the, on the podcast, we were all on, on, on the weekend. I would trade my own mother. Yeah, I know. <laughs> that was funny. I'll try my mother too. <laughs> yeah, it's you. You. 
You can't have emotions in in that business if you're a, an NHL general manager, because emotions will get the best of you. Absolutely. Um, another great segue, Dom. Um, Rick Nash retirement on Saturday night. Um, the Boston Bruins and Columbus Blue Jackets. We talked about the game. It was a shootout uh, victory. Um, highly respected player. Uh, in, throughout the league, uh, just a, a dominant force when he was on before they had injuries, obviously. Um, and, you know, came to the Boston Bruins and I was just like, man, we got our right wing. We, you know, we drafted David Pasternak. We developed David Pasternak. We got him, David Pasternak in the league and look what he's doing right now. But before all that, there was a time that there was a hole on the right side. And I think Don Sweeney really did a masterful job to get that filled. But unfortunately, injuries, um, you know, head injuries particularly, couldn't, um, you know, get Nash to play uh, anymore at a higher level. So obviously had to hang it up. But um, what an emotional night for him. And, uh, Dom, I know you've had um, – um, you know, close, um, you know, not, not conversation. You might've, I'm not sure, but I know you've been close enough to see Rick Nash play for the London Knights back in the day and the, in the Ontario hockey league. So, uh, what kind of night was that for you? Um, I was actually had his, at his Jersey retirement night in London when they retired his, his Jersey there. So, um, you know, Nobody does these ceremonies better than the Montreal Canadiens. And I hate to say that as a Bruins fan, but they, Montreal does it well. But what Columbus did was beyond that. I mean, that, that was probably one of the best ceremonies I had ever seen. And for a guy as humble as as Rick Nash is, who a guy who doesn't want the spotlight. Um, you know, my understanding is he agreed to do it, but the Blue Jackets had to do it his way. It had to be when Nick Foligno was there. Uh, you know, I think you mentioned it the other day, Kevin, like, isn't it amazing that all three captains after him were there that night? For the, for the Columbus Blue Jackets, right? This is how much, this is how humble Nash is, that he wanted to make sure everybody was included. This wasn't a Rick Nash thing. Uh, he even said it in a speech. This is a Columbus thing. <clears throat> um, remarkable player. I wish the concussions never um, happened and that, because all the talk was he was going to re-sign in Boston. And even if we only got him for a couple of years, um, I think people would have appreciated him more in Boston as, you know, like who really follows Columbus and watches Columbus? If you're a Bruins fan, do you tune in? Oh, Columbus is playing tonight. Let's tune into that game. Uh, no. So they would get to appreciate who he was and what he was even more but um i'll admit it brought memories back to to me when he was playing junior in london and 
watching him play there. And then the retirement night they had for him in London, it was nothing fancy or big like this, but um, it just brought back all the memories. He from junior all the way through to to his last day in Boston. Kevin, what are your thoughts thoughts on the uh, Nash retirement from the former Bruin? I unfortunately did not get to watch it. They didn't show it on the uh, Bruins cast at all, um, or at least if they did, I missed it. But I wish I could have seen it. Um, I did get to see just little, you know, clippets of, you know, it, it being raised up. But I, I'm going to have to YouTube some of the stuff and uh, see if they have any of it on there so I can watch that. Because growing up, um, Rick Nash was always one of my favorite players growing up. I love when the Bruins got Rick Nash. I mean, I was through the roof. I mean, I knew we weren't getting Rick Nash in his prime, but I knew we were still getting a very powerful player who can shoot the puck as good as anyone in that league and really, really works his ass off. And I was so excited to get him and seeing him get that injury playing for the Boston Bruins to end his career sucked. And then to watch all of the people, I don't even care. I'll say it who know literally nothing about this game. Apparently sit there and talk trash about the trade and this and that, and all this stuff bringing in a guy like that, it really pissed me off. I mean, because Don Sweeney did a fantastic job of bringing in what they needed at the time, a big, powerful, goal-scoring right winger to play with David Krejci to pretty much make up for losing out on Horton. That's what he did. He did exactly what the fans wanted. And because he gets an injury, they're all up in arms. Sweeney sucks, this and that. Had that worked out and they went to the Stanley Cup Finals, no one's saying a damn thing. You know, it's just... Right. You can't you can't you can't tell the future. You can't say to yourself, you like, oh, I can't I can't trade for him because I know exactly what's gonna happen. What's gonna happen is he's gonna yeah. get injured in the second game of, you know, this round. Like you don't know. But right. that's just it, Kevin. Those that make the argument say, you know, should have known about the history. Nash had a history. Well, you know what? If Patrice Bergeron went on the market tomorrow. Do you think 31 GMs are going to say no because he has a history? Exactly. Roll the dice. Yep. Every player in the NHL is technically injury prone because they're all one hit away from having their career ended. Yeah. And and, and circling back on talking about Nash, I know we're still on the topic, but um, I, I highly recommend Kevin, if you do have about an hour to listen to the 32 thoughts, the uh, podcast with, uh, Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick, uh, fantastic program. One of my favorite, two favorite people. Um, but they had Rick on before the retirement and, um, he's so well-spoken, um, constantly learning every day. He's in a development role right now with the Columbus organization. And Jeff actually asked him if, if he would consider being a, ma- a general manager. And he said, absolutely. I would love to be a general manager. But, he will be one day. He will yeah, be. But the best thing that I heard was he wants to go through the process of learning sure. everything before he gets there. It's not just, it's more, more or less like what Don Sweeney did, player development right. for like about 10 years. And then, you know, seamlessly fit right into a general manager role. But that's how well-spoken Rick Nash was on that program. And I was really impressed by how he 
he loves to get everybody involved. He is not an individual. No, you know, he's not. and I he's very not. impressive, very impressive. But I just wanted to I, I wanted to add that onto the topics because I thought it was it was a, a little bit relevant because he was a, a former Bruin, but just a an all around great NHL player in his career. So obviously uh, young kids and a family and so on. So best of luck to him and congratulations on the retirement and and hopefully you become a GM. You know, who knows? Maybe you'd be the Boston GM in about 10 years. You're getting me depressed again, Mark. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, so um, if you guys don't have anything else to add, we do have a little bit of time left. Um, you know, there's no game tonight, so I'm not in a, a total rush, but um, well, there is OHL, Mark, starting in about 14 minutes. Okay, then I'm gonna rush this to get done. Then, oh, uh, Dom, all right, well, I guess I got one thing, Dom. Who are the Bruins trading for? What are you hearing? <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just messing with it. Block. <laughs> <laughs> All I will say is quack, quack, quack. <laughs> oh, my God. That was a great, great tweet. If you follow Dom Tiano, you'll understand what we're talking about. What tweet? Oh, oh when I went down by the river before the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Did you bring any crack corn with you? No, no. I, t- I actually didn't even get out of the car. I drove down by, just drove by the river, took a picture, and came home because I had to be on here. <laughs> classic such a classic all right well yeah let's let's end it because i do want to watch this game uh i got a fridge to attend to oh yeah shocker (laughs) yeah doesn't surprise me folks uh, for those that don't know we usually get on here about 15 minutes before we start recording and i'm always because i'm always rushed i'm always the last one to enter the room and it never fails Kevin is always putting food in his mouth every time I enter this <laughs> the room. And and to to make matters more confusing, Mark named his stomach Kevin. Oh, we don't need this one. <laughs> yeah, but I did that 10 years ago before even before I met Kevin. Yeah. So it's so. fate. Yeah. <laughs> it's fate. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going to be wrapping this up. We just want to say thank you to Kevin and obviously and, and Dom uh, for the time. As always, I greatly appreciate you guys sitting there chatting to Bruins with me. I have so much fun doing this. I really do. Um, but we do have to talk about our Patreon account, our campaign that we have. So when you donate $1 per episode, you get some fantastic stuff. Weekly giveaways like a Rick Middleton hand-signed puck. and Eddie Johnston, 1970-72 Stanley Cup champ. But also, you get to be involved in these hand-signed jersey giveaways. Like I said earlier, Don Marcotte, 1970-72 Stanley Cup champion, just for a buck, folks. So go to patreon.com slash Podcast and just donate that $1. We'd certainly appreciate it. It helps us uh, support our and pay the bills at a small sports media company, but also it gives us uh, more money to buy more stuff for the future. I talked to uh, Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, and he's got three jerseys on the way. I got a Jerry Chivas, Terry O'Reilly, and I believe I got a Sean Thornton on the way. So, oh, good one. Yeah, exciting I, stuff. I just got one of those from him too, which is yep. great. 
exciting stuff and we'd certainly appreciate any financial contribution and if you can't donate uh financially we do ask that you please um share retweet subscribe you know to youtube it's it all the small stuff really pays off like and share the videos on youtube and everything it's awesome so uh we truly appreciate that but um and not only that i also heard before the show here that if you do become a patreon mr dom here will uh the dom will send you a signed photo of him sitting here in his sunglasses so uh that's a that's something to look forward to (laughs) i don't know if you can see that but can you see that oh yeah there are harley davidson's (laughs) nice dude sons of anarchy dom over here (laughs) (laughs) oh man all right boys Uh, which which game are you catching tonight mark just so i know I don't know. Which one are you watching? Oh, I don't know. I haven't decided yet. There's a few of them. So I... uh, either if Sarni is on or um or Oshawa, I'll catch up on one of those. I um, think I might uh, go back and watch Oscar Yelbick's game from this morning. I heard he had a great game, so nice. I might watch that one first. Nice. I'll All be right, watching boys. some BLTs. BLTs. Hey, right. You boys are right. gonna have to come up to Ontario and we can catch an OHL game live. How about oh, that? Oh, that sounds good to me. That'd be crazy. That sounds good to me. Yeah. All right, boys. Again, thank you very much for your time. I truly appreciate it. Thank you everybody for tuning in, paying attention every week. I uh, had a lot of fun over the weekend with uh um oh my god, Matias uh Mantikivi. Wow, I screwed at least I didn't yeah. fumble it up when we did the uh episode with him. Yeah. But uh, no, that was a lot of fun, and uh, we got a lot of good traction on that. A lot of people said uh, great job, and so on. So uh, we can't. We're going to be doing a lot more of those, but um, scheduling is a little tough right now. So, but we'll we'll get something in the works. But we've got a couple of players that we're really really excited to talk to. But um, I've been, I'm working on that. So, with that being said, you guys have a great week. Uh, we'll probably do another bonus um, something uh, soon this week. But if not, we will talk to you guys next Wednesday and be, be available Wednesday night or Thursday morning. So with that said, everybody, peace out. Peace out. Peace out. <laughs> I love that. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at blackandgoldpod at BNG Productions, at Black and Gold 277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out. Peace out.